Hello, Steve Johnson with supercub.org here. This episode of the Not So Straight and Level podcast is going to be a little different, as today I'm going to tell you a story. So pull your chair a little closer to the fire, sit back, and listen. At 7 a.m., a fog blanketed the snow in the small town north of Minneapolis. It was the morning of Christmas Eve, 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 Eve. And after a glance at foreflight, Santa was confident conditions would improve enough for him to make the four-mile flight to an air park where nearly a hundred children and their parents would anxiously await his arrival. The story actually began 11 years ago when a close friend of Santa's asked him if he would help create a special Christmas for his two-year-old grandson by flying to his air park home in his Santa suit. The rest, as they say, is history, but it was on that day that the Ron and Kathy Barrows Santa fly-in was born. Around 8 a.m., Santa climbed into the old red Subaru to begin preparations. Like all vehicles in Minnesota winter, it was coated with the grime used to treat the streets to the point where seeing out the windows was difficult. But this did not slow Santa down from his first task of the day, to deliver the prearranged presents parents had provided for their children to the hangar where he would later miraculously call each child forward by their name. Mrs. Claus confided in me earlier that morning that Santa had awoken with a furrowed brow and quickly set about a routine of stretching and yoga poses, the kind that might empower a man in an overstuffed red velour suit, long boots, and a big black belt to get in and out of a super cub without the aid of his many elves. Four miles away, in the warm hangar where the night before a group of friends had gathered to help prepare the ski-equipped cub for its role as surrogate sleigh, Santa carefully pre-flighted, opened the hangar door, rolled the plane out, climbed in, and was on his way to meet his eager audience. Meanwhile, at the air park, quite a crowd had assembled outside around the roasting fire or in the hangar where Santa and his elves would perform their magic. Five gallons of hot chocolate and dozens of cookies were quickly consumed, adding an unneeded boost of energy to the congregated. As with all of us, some more reluctantly than others, Santa too has succumbed to the convenience of modern technology, and it was a text from a North Pole area code that let us know he was just a few minutes out. Upon announcing this, the anticipation from the waiting crowd ramped up yet another notch. Turn around. Turn around. Turn around. Turn around. 
It was the sound that was heard first. Then arms pointed and eyes turned to the west where we could see Santa approaching. He's coming, someone shouted. Santa waggled his wings in his tail on his first pass down the runway, then banked around and made another pass with his window open, waving to the assembled group. But then he was off. Was he coming back? Oh, there he is again on final approach, followed by a very Santa-like touchdown that would have allowed him to log his 90-day currency. The sounds from the awaiting group quieted somewhat as Santa taxied up to the hangar, door open, waving, and ho-hoing up a storm. He immediately began interacting with the children. After reaching into the back seat for his bag of presents, Santa led the way to the hangar where his elves had prepared a small wooden stage, complete with a lighted Christmas tree and throne befitting a figure of his caliber. Nearly 100 children sat in a semicircle around Santa on the cold hangar floor, but none of them noticed the cold. They were all watching the guy in the red suit with a mix of anticipation and excitement, and to some old enough, thoughts of questioning their disbelief. But before each child sat on Santa's lap and received their present, we have to sing. The happy throng belted out a rousing version of a Christmas time classic. Behind the scenes, Mrs. Claus and a group of elves worked feverishly to create a logical order to the many gifts Santa had to present to the kids. And once the singing had subsided, it was time. But first, the rules. When you get your gift from Santa, take it back to your seat and wait as we will all open our gifts at once. Remember the two-year-old earlier in our story who started this whole flying Santa thing? Well, this year, Max, now a 13 or 14 year old, called the names of each child to come and receive their gift from Santa. A fitting Christmas tribute to his grandparents who have both passed on. With surprising efficiency, considering each child sat in Santa's lap, received a gift, and posed for a picture with Santa, the gifts were all handed out and everyone was waiting for the go ahead. As you can hear from the happy chaos, the morning was a great success. After many children came up to Santa for that last hug, or to thank him for the gifts, Santa climbed back into his Piper sleigh, waved goodbye one last time, and flew off. 
some may argue the virtue of preserving the Santa legend. After all, where in our society does a figure, actual or fictitious, exist who has an unblemished record of bringing joy with no real strings attached, other than a reminder to be good to each other, for goodness sake? We hope you have enjoyed this little holiday edition of the Not So Straight and Level podcast. We're looking forward to producing a number of new episodes in 2020 and hope you will continue to join us. A Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you all, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.